0: Welcome to the AOE podcast. Uh, this is airing a week late because we're a bunch of man children. Uh, we have no excuse. We just don't appreciate you, the listenership.
1: I have an excuse. Uh, I was doing some ball of ass shit because I have a ball of ass life like Kanye West.
0: There, There is no way that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I am joined by Nick. Yeah, that's me. The one with the ball-ass life. And Edward Theodore Edward Mick
2: Edwards.
0: Everyone missed it, but at the beginning of the show, Ed sang a Limp biscuit song for almost a full 30 seconds that I will put at the end of this podcast (laughs) after the theme music. So if you want to check that out.
2: I could probably sing a different Limp Bizkit song. We're going to make it a secret
1: track. It's going to be you have to listen to this and then 10 minutes of silence will happen and then it'll be like you forgot that you were still listening to it and you will be surprised. Listen, by yeah. Theo Limp, Bizkit Limp Bizkit
2: wasn't popular for long, but when they were, oh man. Those are the golden days. But we're
0: not corn here. To, to yeah, we're Orgy. here to talk about corn. I'm glad you got us off of limp biscuit and Power
2: Man Five Thousand. Yo, Power Man Five Thousand was the fucking best.
1: I think we can all agree that that music hit its pinnacle with with mid to, or early two thousands new metal. Spine Shank. <laughs> I, don't,
2: I don't even think that a was a D-ma. band i think you just made that up but i'm fully convinced i was really into new metal man i i mean it was age appropriate because i was like 11 but like i didn't have this, an older brother to teach me good music so this was that's never, what i listened to this
0: was never on the rails to begin with
2: it just but, but listen man i'm always down to talk about limp Bizkit. new metal <laughs> Has
1: an inexplicable following of people Who are slavishly devoted to it Even though it makes absolutely no sense And it's detrimental to their own well-being Which is exactly what we're talking about today
0: and <laughs> we're talking about cults
2: Yay!
0: Um, <laughs> and basically the, the chances are you know what a cult is already Because uh, you grew up in the world uh, Or but- in a cult <laughs> But we're going to talk about some of the larger cults you know about, some of the smaller cults, and how cults actually happen, and why the fuck people actually stay in them. So, uh, you know, just to give a very loose definition, a cult is a group of people. um, It's usually based around a religion or some kind of ideology, Um, And it's usually focused around a charismatic leader or figurehead of the group. In almost every instance, it it requires an extreme amount of commitment and dedication, loyalty, and obedience. So, that being said, there is one bit of news, uh, specifically about cults, that has uh, been popping up a lot lately, and that is that Charles Manson just died, who he is infamous
2: for being the head of the Manson family. Another beloved celebrity dying way before his time. (laughs) Moment (laughs) of silence for for Chuck. (laughs) R.I.P. Charlie, we all miss you a lot. (laughs) Fun fact, Theo named his dog after Charles Manson. (laughs) Uh, Fun fact, the dog was already named before we got him. So, oh my God, know, you maybe have Charlie was Charlie
0: Manson's dog?
2: Wait, so that <laughs> yes. could actually be
1: true. If someone else named him, there's no proof that your na- that your dog wasn't named after Charles. Manson. Yeah, Charlie.
2: Charlie was like an adoption dog. He he could be fucking Charlie Manson. I don't know. <laughs> or we go with dancing. Just- he was Charlie Manson's dog. Right. You heard it
1: here, folks. <laughs> Speaking of adoption, Charles Manson uh, was abandoned by a single mother when he was twelve. And if he wasn't, then he wouldn't have caused the deaths of all those people so it's his mom's fault. Are did you just are you just reading off of Wikipedia? <laughs> no, that's just the true thing that I wrote down and I want to blame his mom. Okay, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's that's something that we're going to see a lot of as we get into cults is that for the most part there's one very charismatic leader who had a very troubled upbringing that led to I don't want to say the ability to lead a cult, but the, the, the will to be this messianic figure. Uh, they're looking for something that they didn't get when they were kids.
1: Yeah, I think that is a big part of it. And with Charles Manson, and I'm sure everyone knows varying degrees of this, but you at least know his name. I think in our generation, he's held up more as an image of evil than as an actual person. Because he's been in prison for so long and sort of out of the public eye, I get the feeling that a lot of people our age in their 20s and 30s, kind of, they can picture his face, but he's almost become like Che Guevara, where you're very familiar with how people feel about him, but not necessarily what he actually did. So I think that's worth talking about a little bit.
0: So, yeah, Manson came around right at the end of the 60s. And basically, he started a group around him uh, called the Manson Family. And what their goal was, was Manson was quite crazy, obviously, and was convinced that the Beatles were were talking to him through their albums. And he got an idea in his head that something called helter skelter was going to happen which was going to be a huge race war between the blacks and the whites that the blacks would inevitably win his plan was to hide in the desert with his quote-unquote family until helter skelter was over and then reemerge. and then in his mind uh black society would never be able to live up to anything without a white person guiding them so his goal was to basically rule the world once the blacks had taken over and killed all the white people
1: right he could re-emerge and say like you need order and guidance and i'm that person who can yeah do that.
0: now that is a wackadoo bonkers fucking theory however ultimately harmless if he didn't act on it in <laughs> any way the problem is he guided his cult to try and spark a race war. So what they would do is brutally murder uh, a family at night and then write stuff like political piggy with a paw print on the wall, which was like a black Panther thing. They were trying to basically spark the race war. Their most famous murder was that of Sharon Tate and a few others. Sharon Tate, if you don't know her, was a very popular actress that um, was married to Roman Polanski uh, what made this especially tragic is Sharon Tate was like eight months pregnant when yeah. she was stabbed to death.
1: Yeah, there were there were nine victims um, in all. They're, they're called, if you look up Tate-LaBianca murders, those were the, it was really two nights of, of murders too. They went on a killing spree and Manson yeah. was not there at all. That's a very key piece of his personality and it's a part of how he ran his family and I think what makes it a cult over say a gang or anything else was that it involved a worship level trust on the part of his family, which were mostly not all, but mostly women. So there was a lot of devotion that he had to kind of spend a good amount of time building up to lead to this point. He didn't just hire a bunch of criminals that said, let's go kill people because we like killing people.
0: Now Manson is revered in pop culture as this, like, crazy yet, like, smooth-talking, charismatic uh cult leader who was able to convince these people to do these things. However, uh not to—well, fuck it—to shit on the dead. Um, <laughs> yeah, I
2: think it's okay. I think, I think it's okay if we talk that. a little bit of shit on Charles Manson. No, I don't think we're going to ruffle
0: actually, too many feathers. I've actually— done quite a bit of research on Manson uh, and the thing is what a lot of people are picturing like before Nick you said women Yeah, they were not women they were all 12 to 14 year old girls Oh, they yeah. were mostly runaways that he heavily dosed with acid so he was this older authority figure who basically had like a band of preteens which is a very difficult time in anyone's life uh, not to it, not it, to
2: interrupt, but something that I feel like gets kind of overlooked is that you know people know that Charlie Manson had this like connection to the Beatles or not the Beatles um the the, the, Beach, the Beach Boys, Boys. Yeah. right yeah. and that's because he was he could play music he was actually really talented which which isn't well that is important to bring
1: up because as Dave was saying he attracted these young girls and if you're asking yourself how does a person with this crazy race war plot in their head Convince a bunch of, for the most part, otherwise pretty innocent middle-class white girls to become part of this monstrous act. And he did it because if you think about the fervor over the Beatles and all of those bands like that in the 60s and what young girls wouldn't give to just be near them, he was sort of adjacent to that. He was not super famous. His music was clearly not good enough to be on the same level as someone like the Beatles. But if, you, if you're a guy with a beard and some drugs and you're like, oh, just come live this life with me. We're just going to play music and we're going to drop acid and everything's going to be so hip. That's, to them, that's a, a, a foot in the door to this world that they wanted to be a part of. This world that was on the television and on the posters in their room of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. So he very expertly was able to take advantage of those feelings of the time on two fronts. One, the fervor over musicians. You're able to
2: make my point and say it way more eloquently
1: than I like, But the the, the free love movement, but then also the civil rights movement. Because as Dave said, this was an attempt to spark a race war. That was another expertly chosen thing for him. If you're going to get people's attention and get people's blood up, that's a really easy way to do it. Even if they find out that it wasn't really Black Panthers or whoever that he was hoping they would think, to do it, it still helps build his legend. So he's like this person who could just, much like Donald Trump, could just plug into the zeitgeist and be like, I know all the right buttons to push to get all eyes on me. And it seems like when you you really look into his background, that's what he wanted more than anything. Whether or not he was a psychopath or a sociopath or whatever else people have maybe projected him as, he was above all an attention seeker and he was so goddamn good at getting it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, that's the thing about cult leaders. <clears throat> it takes a really special breed cuz mo- most most of them could probably be qualified as a sociopath, but instead of like quietly killing dogs, they also have this real uh drive for attention and that you you'll see that come up again and again and again in these various cults we're going to talk about. Now that being said, Environment or not, if I came to you guys and was like, "Guys, I got like like six fourteen year old girls <laughs> that are just for my bidding, you wouldn't be impressed at all, no but there are a lot of cases of the opposite of that, which is an adult uh convincing a whole lot of other what should be rational adults. Uh, To do terrible things The most infamous case of this by far Is Jim Jones And Ed I know you have some stuff on him
2: Oh yeah So um, Just to tie it back into The Manson stuff um, The Manson family And the the killings And all the Helter Helter Skelter stuff That happened in the 70s And We started to see what we now think of as cults become a national thing in the 70s, Uh, not just with the Manson family, but a lot of other ones, and especially the one I'm going to talk about, the People's Temple. So uh, I, I think the reason for this is the 70s were kind of, in a lot of ways, a direct reaction to the social and political atmosphere of the 60s. You know, in the 60s, we see the birth of the hippie movement and free love and things like that. And it was an attempt for people in America to gain some kind of spiritual identity. So, you know, in a lot of cases, I think people were just really into, you know, smoking weed and having a lot of um, no-strings-attached sex and not showering, which, you know, I'm I'm into, (laughs) all of those things. Um, But you also saw people getting interested in Eastern religion and... Connecting with things like Wicca and a rise in belief in UFOs and aliens and things like that. So once the '70s came around, that the the promise of the '60s was gone. You know, the free love didn't exactly work. Um, the Cold War was still raging. Um, politics weren't awesome. You know, Watergate. <laughs> so. The the whole uh, – I think a lot of the cults were sort of the dark reflection in the 70s of what they would have been in the, the 60s um, because Manson, before the murders, Manson and his family were like kind of a known thing and they just – people thought they were hippies and uh, it wasn't until they started killing people that there was this like, oh shit, this went totally wrong.
1: Yeah, um, and it's a very like – I think if at least a few of these that we're going to talk about have ties to or directly were took place in California, and I think that's a direct reflection of what you were talking about. If you were going to find a place outside of maybe New York that everything's permissible during the 60s, it was California. But if everything's permissible, then at least a small fraction of evil is going to come through too, and that's what happens yeah. with a lot of these cults, and that's why there are so many cults throughout American history that took place in California, because it's where... It's where you went if you were a Midwesterner or an East Coaster or anything like that where you just felt like something's missing in my life. I'm going to go find what it is out in the woods of California. And there was always Mm -hmm. some creepy, bearded psychopath waiting for you to say he has all the answers.
2: Yeah. Um, So my favorite cult leader – that is not the best (laughs) phrase. (laughs) The second it came out of my mouth – Uh, Okay, the cult leader that I find the most interesting that you that uh, you favor the most and that you admire (laughs) is Jim Jones. So even if you don't know the name, you know what he looks like. Um, Black and white photos of a man with dark sunglasses, uh, big sideburns dressed in a white suit. Elvis, Elvis Presley. Are you describing Elvis? (laughs) Well, shit. Now that I think about it, he did kind of look very similar to Elvis, which actually was probably pretty intentional. Yeah. So he was the founder of the People's Temple, which was an absolute cult. You know, sometimes there could be arguments made. Well, maybe it's not a cult. Maybe they're just hippies. Maybe they're just a commune. People's Temple was a fucking cult. And he was the architect of what eventually became known as the Jonestown Massacre. You know, much like Manson and a lot of these... Figures. He grew up, he, he came from a broken home, his parents were separated, he didn't have a lot of friends, people didn't like him. So there was this desire for attention, and he grew up, and he had an obsession with political figures in their writing. So, like, from a very young age, he was reading stuff by Marx and Gandhi and Hitler. and Who all had the well, same exact ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and all dressed the same. <laughs> Well, the idea was that he would be attracted to these larger-than-life figures, you know, people that the masses would listen to for one reason or another. And that's who he wanted to style himself after. And as he grew up, he became a communist. And he was born in the 30s. So he was a communist in the 50s and 60s where, you know, it was really, really shitty to be a communist, you know. And he started this religious movement called the People's Temple, which was initially based off of Baptist teachings, and the idea was that he wanted to create a force for good in the world, and his main goal was actually integration. He wanted equality among the races, and this is at the height of the Civil Rights Movement. So at the beginning... You know, My opinion, at least, is that Jim Jones was trying to do some good, and it seems like he lost himself along the way. So he forms this movement called the People's Temple, and he lived in Indiana, and he became a political figure. And in the community, he helped to integrate schools and restaurants and pretty much any kind of building because everything was segregated at the time. He and his wife had what he referred to as a rainbow family. So they adopted like six kids. And the kids they adopted were black and Korean. Right. They only actually had one biological son. But they had this huge family. He starts amassing followers. And that's when things start going south. So he goes from this quiet little Baptist congregation to teaching whole-scale socialism. And which you know uh, isn't necessarily socialism is such like a boogeyman right. nowadays. It's you know because people don't understand it,
1: and it's uh, not so. nearly as at odds with Christianity as people in America would like to say. At its root, it's it it's essentially what Christ was teaching. Um, only right. in practice is where it gets muddied up. But you can definitely see up to this point. Like, not knowing about what happened later, if you were just describing this guy to me, I'd be like, look, it's not my bag, but he sounds like a well-meaning religious pastor up to this Mm -hmm. point.
0: Oh, yeah, no, and up to this point, he, actual people supporting him, ranging from a bunch of actors, uh, community leaders, uh, even uh, Rosalind Carter, the first lady, was uh spoke well of him cuz you know uh, up up until just now he uh, he wasn't a bad guy what he was doing in the community was actually good
2: right. yeah yeah he, he definitely started out with altruistic intentions so he started in indiana once the people's temple really started taking off they moved to surprise surprise san francisco so california california exactly. as we'll call it exactly. throughout this episode jones starts becoming more openly messianic. You know, he is the one that's going to save you. And you need to be part of the people's temple to save yourself. And the religious aspect of it, in a sense, starts getting phased out in that he stops talking about God and Jesus and essentially replaces himself. And as more and more people come into it, he starts using tactics that'll become more familiar with cults. So people are separated from their families, and they're, they're essentially brainwashed. So when you come into a cult, one of the common things is that they separate you from everybody that you know because you're told that they're outside influences and they're bad and that they don't have what's best in mind for you, but also so that you have no support system. You know, cults operate the same way that gangs do basically. Right. You know, they become a surrogate family for you.
1: A surrogate family and also your only means of living because kind of like you said in a gang if you're brought up in a criminal world from the time you're like 13 and you're taught how to use a gun and how to rob people but not any other skills your chances in life go down significantly so it actually makes Mm -hmm. more sense to stay in the gang and you're right this cult and mostly all cults work the same way. If they they limit your skill set to being a productive member in the cult then what else do you have to offer the world other than the cult and therefore it's almost impossible to leave.
2: Once you're in a cult, it's nearly impossible to get out of it. Um, And that's why awful things like what we're going to talk about happens. Um, And another thing is that when the cult becomes your new family, you know, things start happening like, hey, can you do some extra work down at the church? Or, hey, do you really need your paycheck? Can, can we have it? So that's how Basically, the way the cults make money is by taking all of your stuff and all of your money. And, I mean, to, if you want to start a cult, you can't really be poor. You need that funding to come from somewhere. And when you see this man, like, Jim Jones was starting to go crazy, but he people loved him. So he has this reputation of being this good, good man, and he... I, I, I'm really happy the guy that you guys brought up that he kind of looked like Elvis because <laughs> that – now that I think about it, it, had to be completely intentional. So he looks just like a cool guy and he has – he would speak with like fire and brimstone. And one of his things that he was famous for is that speeches, he would have a Bible and he would – he called it the black book and he would throw the black book against the ground and would say, you don't need this. This is holding you back. So you, you – he's the kind of person that you want to please, that you want to make happy because you want to be like him. Shit in San Francisco isn't going so great because they're becoming bigger and bigger and they're starting to get the attention of the law. Because one, they're all these people are just funneling money into the organization. And two, Jones is starting to get more radical and he's talking about things like overthrowing the government – and just these radical conspiracy theories. You know, shit. Alex Jones type shit. Right. And Alex
1: Jones, son of Jim Jones. Don't look that up. It's a fact. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so while this is happening, uh, Jim is starting to look in South America to buy land. Because his idea is that he wants to move away from the oppressive American government and create his socialist utopia.
1: That is automatically unnerving That should be a red flag across the board Every single time
2: (laughs) Oh yeah What happens is he finds Land in um, the South American Country, Guyana And he buys Uses money that he takes from the people In the cult And he buys this huge plot of land And starts a community That he names Jonestown Because, you know Why not? Because he's a humble guy yeah, um, so people start moving to Jonestown because it's this is the ultimate thing you can do. You move to Jonestown and you can be with Jim and you can live in paradise. When they get there, they, they had nothing, so they have to start everything from the ground up. Um, the land that they moved in wasn't really arable, so food production was really shitty. So starvation and sickness was a big thing. Um, and he based a lot of the way things worked off of um, Chinese communism. So there was this idea of the workday. You work eight hours and then you spend the next eight hours learning, which to him meant in classes learning about socialism and why Jim was the perfect leader and basically just, you know, stroking his ego for hours on end in front of these people. And so at that point, that's 16 hours of the day. And probably stroking other things, too. But we Yeah, did. I was just about to say the wording of that was awesome. Well, that's the thing, is that when there was a lot of babies born in Jonestown, Jim took a lot of wives. So, you know, at this point, he's just completely off the rails. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's sleeping with women. Um, he would spend – they had loudspeakers. So he would spend hours just on the loudspeakers over the the commune reading from newspapers and these like – just like ranting and raving and these like long sermons about how the American government is, you know, the most evil entity on earth. Uh, people lived – you wouldn't have a house. You would live in a communal home. So it were just families stacked into homes together. Um, punishment – and they didn't have jails. But what they would do – If somebody stepped out of line, first, you would be beaten. Um, Another punishment was drugging. So you would just get drugged constantly. And they had what they called the torture hole, which was a,
0: yeah, which was a well. Hold on. That might not be something bad. Let him go.
1: (laughs) It has hole in it. So I'm intrigued. So Ed,
0: what is the torture hole? The torture hole was a well.
2: And okay, so
0: wells are not bad. Yeah,
2: they're full of water for drinking. You would be hung in the well, or I'm sorry, the torture hole. Hung like Jim Jones, ends. am I right? Oh! <laughs> At this point, though, what was nuts was there was nearly a thousand people living there. Right. And um, this, so the People's Temple was already like a big thing on the government's radar. But this was like, all right, now it's time to stop. Because... Mm-hmm. yeah. There's these American citizens – I mean, most of them didn't go through the process of changing citizenship or anything like that. So you have these American citizens living on a compound in South America. A lot of them were being paid welfare because they didn't have jobs and all of their money from welfare was just going right into the people's temple. Right. And um, there was all sorts of like custody battles where you know, like husbands or – Wives would leave their families and take their kids with them and, you know, not tell their spouse and parents looking for their children and family members. So finally what happens is a congressman from California, Leo Ryan, November – on November 17th, 1978, he and a delegation go to Jonestown and they don't they, – they don't ask. They say, hey, we're coming to check this shit out. Right. It's no, can we come over? When's good for you? They come, and they're like, knock, knock, here we are. Right, so Jim's basically telling everybody to flush the drugs down the toilet and hide all the weapons, all the the usual oh shit kind of moments. Exactly. Leo Ryan comes in, and he meets with Jim, and they put on a big spectacle. There's music and celebration, and they really just lay it on really thick that Jonestown is the fucking shit, and everybody loves living there, and they're having the best time, and it's just a giant party. And as... Congressman Ryan is leaving, um, a woman runs up to him and gives him a note saying, Help me. And they start, you know, people they're like, Alright, this is fucked up. And individually they're able to talk to people, you know, get them on their own and find out that like the awful conditions that they're hiding there. So the next day the delegation comes back. They don't stay over there there overnight. They come back the next day and They're like, all right, we're going to shut this down. We're going back to America. We're taking some people with us. Anybody who wants to come with us can. So people start trying to leave. And what happens is Jim Jones sends a delegation of his men to Congressman Ryan's plane with machine guns and they kill them. Not everybody, but mostly everybody. Uh, So the congressman was killed and a couple of reporters who were there with him were killed. And back in Jonestown – jim jones commands his people to drink uh, kool-aid um cut with cyanide and they die in mass there's 918 people who died in total and that was the biggest simultaneous loss of life in american history until september 11th
1: right and probably still the biggest mass suicide i would imagine Yeah. yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah And I believe, yeah, of those 918 people, of that, 276 of them were children. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so this this was pretty
0: pretty fucking devastating.
2: Yeah. yeah. And Jim knew that eventually something like this was going to happen because they had a practice called White Knights where they would prepare for this. They would practice. So they would all get together in, like, the, the uh, great hall that they had in Jonestown. And they would practice for mass suicide. And there were actually on a couple occasions where they didn't think it was practice, where they thought they were actually going to die because turns out Jim James or Jim Jones was kind of a fucked up dude and didn't care about, you know, scarring people. And when this happens, you know, not all the people were really jazzed about it. So when the actual suicide went down, a lot of people had to be force fed poison. Right. I think
1: what's incredible is that 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 managed to work. If you look at the above photos, I mean, there's like helicopter photos and things, and they, they didn't even all fit inside of the hall. They were outside, just strewn across the ground. So the fact that people had to be forced is pretty incredible because it means that of all those people, a lot of them had to be forced, and then the people who forced them still had to make the conscious choice to say, yes, I'm still on board with this and then drink it themselves after seeing hundreds of people fall to the ground dead. So it just goes to prove how strong this devotion can be. That it's like not only am I gonna kill my family members for you, I'm gonna watch <clears throat> it happen and then I'm gonna say, yes, now
2: I'm now I'm gonna join. And, yeah. and do it yourself. And this was the the, the people that flocked to jim james jim jones i keep saying fucking jim james who's the guy whoever jim james is i'm so sorry
1: we're defaming you <laughs> jim james is a
2: beautiful musician but jim james would be james james wouldn't he yeah which Fun is fact. just silly funny he's a musician they're wacky but you know jim jones was he started as such this such a positive figure and people just completely got suckered and, you know, people would go to him looking for something better. And for a time, maybe there was that sense of hope. But along the line, he just lost himself. So I this,
1: this kind of makes me wonder, kind of thinking about how other cults work. And it's hard to know, and maybe you guys know if you know a little more about his history, because I, I don't. But was it truly that he was this above all... Uh, altruistic person trying to make the world a better place and then went sour or did he play a long con and know what it took to get that many people to trust you similar to l how l ron hubbard started with scientology which most people know all people know i hope is a is a very prominent cult in the u.s today where he built it up slowly he didn't immediately start with we're going to lock people in compounds and beat them and deprive them of sunlight and food. It started with, this is about expanding your mind, making the world a better place. So I, I wonder, was Jim really a good person or was he a very knowledgeable person on how to get what he wanted?
0: It's very hard to say. Right. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I definitely always got the feeling that every step of the way, he thought he was doing the right thing.
1: Right, which is um, scary in a lot of ways. Yeah,
0: which is almost more terrifying. Now, he definitely... He started employing much more uh, obvious coercion and manipulation methods down the road, as you saw in the compound. But, you know, I think this is what we saw when somebody with a little bit of say and power in the community starts to lose their mind and become this awful combination of like a megalomaniac uh, with a Christ complex matched with somebody who actually has the means and motive to carry out something like this on a long scale during a very turbulent
2: time in the country. This is by no means a great analogy but what it makes me think of is George Lucas, because, you know, Jim started out being this positive force for change. And just like George Lucas made Star Wars, and it was fucking great. And then he had this following and respect and love. And when that happens, nobody noticed when he started to lose it. So, you know, George Lucas made the prequel trilogy. Nobody was brave enough or aware <laughs> enough to step in and say, hey, <laughs> don't do this. Episodes <laughs> one through three, the Jonestown of nerddom. <laughs> yeah. And the same way that nobody was brave enough or aware enough to step in and stop Jim Jones when he started going off the rails. Right. And I mean, the he he took people's money. And he was banging a lot of underage girls that were part of his uh, people's temple. But when he was in Jonestown, he lived in a communal hut like everybody else and he drank the Kool Aid too. Right. So it's, it's, he is a really tough case. It's,
1: it's really, it's really interesting. And I think one of the big takeaways for me is that cross section of religion and politics which also seems to be a big cult thing, whether it's that a cult leader has actual political aspirations or they at least know that political influence can help them achieve their goals. That's a thing that comes up pretty often. And I do have a pretty short example that, that also started, began in the 70s, but I think is really interesting and ties into today's politics in a, in a weird way. Are either of you guys familiar with Chris Butler? No. Okay.
2: Was he the lead singer of Matchbox Twenty? Yes. Just kidding. Rob <laughs> Thomas. Love that
1: guy. We all know Rob Thomas. Don't worry. We're we're big. We're big uh, Matchbox Twenty podcast. So this guy Chris Butler, in the in the seventies, another big thing that was happening, and we touched on this a little bit, was that idea of Eastern spiritualism invading the West. Not invading. That sounds mean. Uh, becoming in, <laughs> imbued into into Western culture, and. A big part of that was Hare Krishna, which, again, kind of tying back to the Beatles, became popular as part of the hippie movement. The, you know, If you saw a skinny white dude who was bald and, and begging in the streets in an orange, looking like a monk, basically, that would be a Hare Krishna. So this guy, Chris Butler, he was a disciple of the founder of Hare Krishna his name the founder's name is very long and very indian and i don't want to butcher it so i'm not even going to say it <laughs> but he but he was the guy who started but can you it. sing it <laughs> yes uh but i can chant it like a hearty christian <laughs> so this guy chris butler he's a white guy who lives in hawaii and he was a native there his his parents lived there he went to school in hawaii so Right away, there's already kind of a connection with California, this sort of easy breezy lifestyle. We live on the beach. We're open-minded. We're to new ideas. So Hare Krishna hit Hawaii in a very big way because it just felt like it was about love and about happiness and nothing else, and, and that fit their lifestyle. So it, it became really big. This guy, Chris Butler, basically had a falling out with his teacher, with the founder of Hare Krishna, and he decided, I'm going to start my own thing. So he starts what he calls the Science of Identity Foundation, which already is full of red flags, just the use of science in a, in a religious yeah. group. Those two words don't match. Yeah, identity, it feels, it's starting to feel kind of Scientology-ish. So he starts going by the name uh, Jagad Guru, and then followed by a bunch of other really long names that I can't pronounce, but often <laughs> just referred to as Jagad Guru. And he starts preaching and he's, he's doing television specials. This guy quickly gets a lot of backing from people who are powerful, business owners, politicians. And he would have these TV shows that people could watch in the 70s, like specials where he would – you know, he's kind of like a Hare Krishna version of Joel o- Osteen, just basically telling ah, okay. people, mm. so oh, this is how – yeah so basically on the surface saying just live your life better and isn't uh, isn't life so wonderful be thankful to whoever you pray to seeming like a pretty cool guy (laughs) and then taking all of their money so he's building some wealth and a lot of influence particularly in Hawaiian politics and this is where it gets pretty interesting so one of the guys who is part of his group is this guy Mike Gabbard who was raised Catholic but sort of became enamored with Chris Butler's teachings of his, his quasi-Hare Krishna ways that were becoming more and more about Chris Butler and less and less about Krishna. So again, like Jim Jones, is starting to be, I'm kind of your messiah figure. I'm the one with all of the answers. Not in a I'm God kind of way, but in more of a pro- prophetic kind of way. So this guy, Mike Gabbard... Uh, He and a bunch of other people in Hawaii start this group called the Independence for Godly Government, (laughs) which, scary again, godly government, not something you want to hear. And there's sort of this group of religious people that are quasi-Christian, quasi-Hare Krishna, a little bit of everything, but the connecting tissue is Chris Butler. And they're starting to open up a lot of businesses. They're hiring within... And they start to build not in – and I will say this. To this day, there hasn't been any clear detrimental effects of this group, but they're very closed off. They tend to only marry within their group. They tend to only hire each other. And we're going to get used to hearing this guy's name and the Science of Identity Foundation a lot in the next few years because there is a rising star right now in the Democratic Party named Tulsi Gabbard who I actually like a lot, <laughs> and that's kind of part of the, the issue here with quasi-cults and how we feel about them. She started out as sort of like a hard line uh, when, it, when it came to social issues, very anti-gay because her parents were. So was Chris Butler. So this Chris Butler guy, he was all about vegetarianism and environmentalism, but also no homosexuality. It's evil, it's dark. And all of the politicians who follow his teachings were the same way. Tulsi Gabbard, who is like 33 now, she's almost our age, is a senator from Hawaii. She's a rising star right now. She's basically where Barack Obama was in 2004, the first time he spoke at the Democratic National Convention.
2: So what's going to happen? What's that? I miss him so much. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. Barrio. Is is Barack ever coming back? (laughs) But much did, like, Did he go away because we were bad?
1: <laughs> but much like Barack had to deal with, with the whole, uh, with Jeremiah Wright, the whole questions about his religious uh, affiliations, we're going to hear the same thing about Tulsi. So I guarantee you she's going to be in the conversation for, if not this coming election, the 2024 election, for possibilities. And people are going to be screaming to high heaven, she was in a cult. Because... She kind of was raised in a cult. <laughs> so it's going to become this problematic issue. Now, currently, if you look her up, she's, ru- she's running as the first or has run and won as the first Hindu uh, representative, basically, in our government, which is great. But I also read a pretty interesting New Yorker article that was an interview with Tulsi where. Uh, she even admitted that part of her decision to run as a Hindu came as advice from Chris Butler because she said, I don't know what to run as. I'm sort of just a spiritual person. And in America, you have to have some religion or they just flat out won't <laughs> give you the job. <laughs> so he advised her to run as a Hindu because he knew that would be more palatable. So her uh, top advisor is part of this Chris Butler Science of Identity Foundation. Her husband is, again, it's this cloistered group and they're all kind of tied back to this 70s group Independence for Godly Government that has just been pushing their or kind of crawling their way through US politics from Hawaii and Chris Butler's group itself has spread a lot they started in Hawaii and now they're in Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, the Philippines sort of taking over the Pacific so it's Eesh. one of those it's one of those growing ones where we may or may not be looking at the early story of what could become something like Scientology. But it's hard to know because there's also no evidence right now of any sort of abuse or wrongdoing. But all of the other symptoms of cult-like behavior are there. So I think it's going to be a really interesting political conversation when in a few years everybody says, well, we can't elect Tulsi to be president because she's in a cult. (laughs) And then she's going to have to address those things.
2: Okay. And it's Science of Identity Foundation, right? Yes. I'm on their website right now and you know it just comes up and it looks like it's about yoga.
1: Yes, so that's a big part of how they make yeah. money is through tapes uh, uh like yoga tapes and businesses and like that. I'll give you guys the New Yorker article cuz it's really interesting. The one of the most not damning but interesting things about it is that Tulsi herself has really distanced herself from Chris cuz I think mm-hmm. she knows that there's cultish vibes and people are going to be uncomfortable with that. But I just found the whole thing really fascinating because it shows how murky the waters can be between just a group of people who are following the teachings of one guy and it's harmless and a cult.
0: Yeah. Mm. Now that's why, you know, cult, cult isn't used that much. Uh, in academia anymore. It's called new religious movement for the most part. And Ed, when you look at their site and it just looks like a yoga site, that's actually not surprising at all. Um, Well, I mean, I'm sure they
2: don't want to come off as scary.
0: No, they don't. But even, even beyond that, there are lots of new age cults. There are political cults. There are terroristic cults. Um, There's self-help cults. And, you know it's basically as we stated right at the front of the podcast it's basically an an idea or belief usually based around a central person and <clears throat> you know if even if you look, were <clears throat> to look at someone i don't want to like call anyone out individually but like something like a tony robbins kind of character right, mm-hmm. right. who has mass followers who really look up to them and then as far as stuff like yoga and things like that go, you can't tell me that you've ever had a conversation with somebody <laughs> who's really into, like, yoga or CrossFit who you <laughs> haven't walked away going, that was kind of fucking weird. Right. Yeah. And, you, you know, that it's that's very cultish-like behavior. Those activities in amongst themselves are not cult-like. They're just activities. But... Uh, when pushed to a certain extreme, any of these when pushed to a certain extreme are considered part of like the new quote-unquote religious movement, which is just a usually a fringe group with a different type of idea about how something should be done.
1: But to your point about yoga, when you think about things like Herbalife, so I know Theo and I know someone in particular, and I won't name Uh names, who sells Herbalife. And when you talk to people who are into that, it's, this thing changed my life. And you absolutely have to do it too because it will change yours. Despite what you may protest with, oh, I don't really need it. I'm already pretty healthy. No matter what you say, no, Herbalife, will ans- it'll answer all your problems. And it's a company, but it functions in the same way as a cult. And that's intentional. The head of Herbalife is- knows what he's doing. It's-, it's a good marketing way to work because you don't have to go to people. You get your people to go to other people. And that's how you get mm-hmm. a cult to grow.
0: Oh yeah, yeah no. They're they're not far off from a pyramid scheme. Like oh, now, no, wanna, life is a pyramid scheme. You wanna talk about uh, religious cults? There is a you know how like cults have like catchy like names like Heaven's Gate or like or or the Manson family. You, you know like it rolls right off the tongue. Or the
2: Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: So, like, there, you know, I'm going to give you another one right now called the Movement for the Restorations of the Ten Commandments of God. You know, <laughs> just fucking rolls right off.
2: Also, the top. remove Nemetra Burger. Looks <laughs> really good like on a business card?
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for the sake of not wanting to say that mouthful from this point on, I'm just going to call them the Movement for the Restoration. So the movement. Of uh, Jesus, already, already the movement, how much is for the, movement? the restoration? <laughs> the movement, we're just gonna call them the movement. <laughs> so, that is a more recent cult in Africa, and by recent, I mean the end of the 90s. Um, that was founded by uh, you know, seven people that all had stuff totally in common. It was founded by four ex Roman Catholic priests, two ex nuns, and one ex prostitute. So just, you know, like seven people that are all kind of in the same occupation. (laughs) So uh, this was a doomsday cult that uh, it started in Uganda. And they, you know, if you're not familiar with what a doomsday cult is, uh, they basically say the end of the world is coming. They usually have a specific date in mind. Uh, And aside from that, they function just like a regular cult, the same techniques of separation brainwatching extreme authoritarianism all still apply these guys predicted that the world would end uh December 31st 1999 and now, it did it did but in reality it didn't and i always I always think that, like, being in a doomsday cult and then not having it come to fruition, like, on a scale of awkwardness, uh, ranging from one to trying to seduce your own father, it's probably (laughs) about an eight. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because I don't know what happens just in that moment uh, when it doesn't come. So, these guys uh, took a step back. Now, this cult was probably about... uh, I think 100, 100 plus people. Uh, they, they took a step back and talked to whoever they talked to and changed the date of the apocalypse <laughs> to March 17th, 2000. So they really didn't have much of a margin here.
1: It's in a few months <laughs> this will happen. So
0: what happened when that date came uh, is where this story gets really dark because when that day came and the end didn't happen and the Virgin Mary didn't come, they murdered everybody in the cult. Originally, it was thought to be a mass suicide, like something you would see in Jonestown, uh, but as they investigated it further, they saw that a lot of people were killed with machetes. Um, oh. There was definitely signs of force poisoning. Uh, the leader's... Uh, pretty much had the person next to them
1: kill them one by one. Um, it got pretty bad. So when you say they murdered everybody, it was the seven original or did they have people that helped them do it?
0: It wasn't the seven original. They had the true believers, basically. Okay. Um, just like Manson family had a few male members, like a man named Tex, who was like older and stronger and was basically able to, uh, be like an enforcer. Almost. I mean
2: with
1: a name like Tex, you're going to be yeah. an enforcer. Yeah, nobody yeah, exactly.
2: named Tex ever became like an accountant or an ice, <laughs> ice cream man or, you know, ice cream accountant. I'll Anything Tex, that doesn't CPA. involve guns.
1: <laughs> so not for Tex. You know, uh
0: although this cult uh had a very tragic ending, uh it's not so much the cult themselves it, it, is what i want to talk about but more how they came to be so to do that we have to pull out uh, a little bit and look at uganda as a whole uh at this time edi amin who if you're not familiar with him uh he was running uganda at the time he was an absolute despot um was also a bit guy. crazy too <laughs> Yeah he was completely insane uh, Mass genocide Mass starvation He
2: believed he was Scottish royalty
0: Yeah um, So they had just gotten past that Then the AIDS epidemic Hit Which uh, like what happened in America in the eighties almost doesn't hold a candle to what happened no. in Africa uh because and it's it still was, happening really oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was real bad uh, four out of five people infected, and they did not have the medical infrastructure that we had in the u s to deal with it when we got our parasites and decided to deal with it um thanks and Reagan. then there was a very very bloody civil war called the Bush Wars. These three things all happened in, like, the span of a decade. Uganda in itself was—it was filled with displaced people. The Roman Catholic Church was failing because people just weren't uh, getting behind the message anymore. They weren't seeing any kind of hope in the Catholic Church. Uh, Community ties were growing very, very weak, and what happened is a bunch of cults including this one popped up. It was basically people offering uh an alternative view rep- like presented as a solution to people who felt displaced and hopeless. And this unfortunately like happened on a countrywide scale where normally something like the Manson family or Jonestown people uh, dealing with things right after the 60s and dealing with the consequences of it. This was an entire country that was kind of uh, getting the shit kicked out of them that created a breeding ground for a cult of this nature. For right. somebody if you want to find a bunch up, of people
1: that are ready for Doomsday to come,
2: <laughs> this is, this oh my is God, the place. Yeah. I because hope when the end of the world didn't happen, the leader of the cult turned to everybody and went, Uganda, be kidding me. Because they were in Uganda God. The name of the country was Uganda I can, oh, that's I can tell by okay, the I
0: On your face that you're absolutely ashamed Of what you just said No, no I'm not The listeners can't see it But, but Nick and I can <laughs> 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 oh, God. I have such a weird mix of like Shame and humor brewing right
2: now.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, Jesus! Anyway, why
1: don't you tell us more about how they all murdered each other and then and then killed themselves? <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah, you, you know this. This is what you saw on a country's uh, wide scale. However, this same type of of, of state. Is what you see in individuals that typically are drawn to a cult, especially a more what would be considered extreme cult of this nature, a- and that is, like where we're gonna, uh, sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna flex the fact that I have a sociology degree. So <laughs> <Nerd>. Emil Durkheim. <laughs> Emil Durkheim was uh, one of the real like founding fathers of sociology. And he wrote a whole piece on the Protestants versus the Catholics uh, in, a, in a paper called Suicide, where basically he found that the Protestants were, had a much higher suicide rate because they prayed uh, by themselves versus the Catholics who would meet in a church to do it. This act of praying by yourself led to a feeling of isolation. Uh, there was a strong community built around the Catholic Church, And what you would often see was the Protestants, who were encouraged to pray alone, would often begin to feel cut off uh, from the rest of society and community. They didn't have strong community ties, so there was a rise in suicide. What you see in cults are people who have already begun to feel displaced, uh, kind of wandering, and to have somebody pop up uh, and basically say, "I have the answers. I know what to do. I can help. Come with me." Is really the foundation for what cults are. Trump, excuse me. <laughs> I I, actually, I can't
1: tell if you're like making <laughs> a snide comment under your breath. <laughs> <laughs>
0: did Did you say Donald Trump while coughing?
2: <laughs> uh, no, I just coughed. I have a bit of a bit of a cold. Okay, because he's yeah, got Trump. a tickle. I, 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 I would agree with your cough that that's <laughs> kind
0: of what's happening. Um, and, you know, because these people are already in a state that they're in, it, uh, anyone is going to be a lot more vulnerable and a little more malleable uh, to suggestion, which is why you typically see uh, a habit of escalation like this, where it begins with an interest moves on to hope, and then suddenly it envelops everything about their life. Right. The difference is with some of these more extreme cults, it can get really ugly very quickly.
1: Yeah, and so Theo subtly brought up our fearless orange commander-in-chief, and there's, <laughs> and there's a direct tie there to something else. I mean, it sounds like Uganda in this time was very similar to Germany between World War I and World War II. We are so fucked, we have no money, that after the war, the, the world left us without the means to take care of ourselves, we'll latch on to anything. And yeah. that happens on a macro scale with countries, and it happens on a micro scale with with individuals. And just to further make that distinction, and I think this is important for, for people who get into arguments about cults, and I know I've, I've heard, you know... Other atheists like myself say like snide things about like, oh, you know, all religions are cults and stuff. It's like, yeah, they're really not, though. And in my own life, I, I was raised Catholic and it was a very important, integral part of my life. Yes. But when I gave it up and left, nobody gave a shit. I, my family didn't disown me. They didn't try to bring me back in. I wasn't uh, humiliated publicly in my community and cast out. So that's a really important distinction because I think we need to be able to identify what makes these things what they are. Because then we also can separate cult from religion, not just for religion's sake, but for the sake of finding those things that are cults. There is a cult of Donald Trump right now. There was a cult of Hitler. So we can't say that something... Oh, and just to be clear. uh,
0: If you, you know, we may not agree with you... But we don't mean Republicans as a whole. And no, if you no, if you no, support no. Trump, that's fine. No, but <laughs>
1: um You should know, you know.
0: We're we're not talking about you, casual Trump supporter that just wants your party right. to succeed. My my we dad mean,
1: is my dad yeah. is a Republican. He is not a, a Trump cultist. I think a yeah, Trump cultist is, is very easy to spot these days. Yeah. Um yeah. and often
0: Nazis. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they're Nazis, (laughs) and they're often not even Republicans. They're people that kind of came out of the woodwork that just felt disaffected in general and are either libertarians. Some of them are even, they think, liberals um, in their own twisted view of what that means. So that's very cult-like, too. Anyone is susceptible to a cult. It's not a progressive thing. It's not a conservative thing. And that's what Trump has tapped into. He's tapped into the ability to be a larger than life figure that's so ingrained in your brain that you can't help but think about him all the time and what he's saying that is textbook cult it's what jim jones did it's it's what all of these guys did and it's Mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't expect us to go this direction but i think it's a very clear like important thing about living in 2017
0: yeah because there are there are things everywhere like i said you you know go online you can find seminars to make you rich overnight. You can find gyms and yoga programs that will promise to keep you youthful forever, um, and or you can find a political group that you know will agree with you and foster your ideas. Um, you know, I th- I think the big message to take away is to just continuously objectively question uh your actions at any given time
1: yeah if anyone tells you that living a happy life is easy that's a cult stay away from it (laughs) (laughs) because everyone with a good head on their shoulders knows that nothing about living a happy life is easy and i think that's kind of a simple takeaway and it's the common thread in basically all of these things from the more harmless like you said tony robbins where it's like oh he wants to make people feel better about himself to the most harmful like jim jones and some of these other guys uh that's the thing they all have in common is that they have this sense of like you can be the greatest you and it's because i know (laughs) period yeah and that's stay away from that every time
2: and they say this stuff and then it's you you can be the greatest you you can be i'm just gonna need your social security number and your bank information (laughs) (laughs) right Or, you know, I'm going to need the keys to your car or I'm going to need a night alone with your wife. So there's always people are always looking to exploit you in situations like this.
0: I like the idea of yeah yeah, I got the answers. Give me your car keys. <laughs> <laughs> Give
1: me your car keys and and the keys to your wife.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what happens is people end up in, in cults, people end up giving away their possessions and eventually, you know, that's just the first step to giving away their identity. Right. You know, until until the cult is all you are, until, you know, you know, there's people in Jonestown who drank the Kool-Aid fucking willingly. So, you know, there's people unwillingly get suckered into this stuff. Right. Yeah. And I I
1: think part of what makes it so important for our podcast about fear is that this is something we're all at least a little susceptible to. So for anyone listening who's like, oh, I would never be so crazy as to believe that neither were the people in them. It's it's a million little cuts. It starts out with. Bettering yourself either physically or spiritually. And then it turns into, oh, if you only surround yourself with your community, that's more positive influence. So kind of keep other people at an arm's length. It happens in such gradual steps that reasonable, sane people do fall prey to this. And just pay attention to the things in your life that are like that. I've been wearing mm-hmm. the same kind of sneakers since I was 13. That in and of itself is like a small cult in my life of like, yeah. I'm and a I've Chuck been Taylor guy.
0: I've been stealing Nick's sneakers since he was 13.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, really quick, I feel like we're winding down, but I just want to very, very briefly touch on one contemporary cult because, surprise, this is stuff that's still happening in 2017. Not just cults of personality like Trump, but died in the wool actual cults. And this is something right. that was brought to my attention by uh, my buddy, Kev, Kev Biglin. So, thanks for bringing that up, Kev. It's called the Twelve. Tri- yeah, it's Twelve Tribe communities, and this is a. At the core, they're an extremist Christian movement. Um, they believe that community life is the most <laughs> important. Community? Said community are they cows? <laughs> I said community. Tell, tell me if they're cows. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck you up. You cows. <laughs> <laughs> community life is the way to live, so they recruit people and they live on farms. You again, you give up all your money, all your possessions. You live on farms and you work yourself or near to death. And they the, – the produce that they make, they sell at farmer's markets and stores like that. And they're supposed to put on this air of happiness and, like, friendliness and supposed to be very welcoming. Uh, one of the things that Kev told me was that he goes to a lot of, like, music festivals and stuff. And he's seen, like, buses, like almost like tour buses that these people show up on to try and, like, recruit people into, like, their happy family. And they're also being investigated for um, child, child work. Uh, law b- breaking stuff. What's <laughs> child labor laws? Child labor laws. Thank you. It's you can edit around that. They making I'm not kids going work. To. You can you can edit around that. Anyways, keeping um, communities and they, <laughs> communities sh- is staying in. Fine, you can keep communities. But anyways, and there turns out they're super anti-Semitic too, which is
1: weird because they call themselves the Twelve Tribes, which is yeah. a very clear Judaic reference.
2: Yeah this is something that is still a fact of life in 2017, which you really wouldn't think. I mean, as long as there's people, people are going to try and exploit other people. So I just wanted to touch on that because, you know, a a listener brought it to our attention. If you
0: want to join them, we'll post to their site on our Facebook group.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it is interesting that much, I think it, it brings us full circle. So like, like Kevin said, they're showing up at, at concerts and things like that. They're clearly going for young impressionable people, which is exactly what Manson did. It it's the same old story. It hasn't changed in centuries and it won't. So we could, I'm sure do a follow-up episode of this in a year or so and pick out three brand new cults that have popped up in, in the very fraught times that we're living in.
2: Oh yeah. And I mean, we only scratched the surface. Like I have a whole lot of stuff on heaven's gate that, We want to do justice to just glossing over uh, David Koresh. uh, And that's just in America.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about ancient cults yet. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure we will do another cult episode uh, soon. Mm -hmm. We could have gone through and just talked about all the creepiest cults. Because uh, I'm sure we all have a plethora of information about them. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But, and, yeah, we wanted
2: we wanted to lightly brush the surface. Uh, yeah, and please, please, if you, any of the listeners, if you've been involved in the cult or you have family members who have or any kind of connection to anything like that and are comfortable talking about it, please reach out to us.
1: Yeah, let I us actually, join.
0: Actually, <laughs> I have someone who's in a cult. I don't think she'll talk to us, but I'll do my best.
1: I mean, that's that's usually pretty standard procedure for someone who's actively in a cult is not talking a, to a, it's outsiders.
0: A, it's a faith healing cult. Oh, oh boy. boy. Yeah, I'll. Oh, God damn it, I'll reach out.
1: Broach the subject. You know, oh, who cool. knows? And honestly, because that's the thing too. Part of what we do here is I look i'm almost definitely not going to come out being on your side but if you want to talk to us about why your cult is so great we, won't be we definitely want to record it and, and yeah, talk about and
0: it. i can't emphasize enough we won't bully you it's just not in our nature we actually have questions for you that we want answered
1: yes and then we will tell the fbi <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is all of fun. atf agents <laughs>
1: i uh i like this one and and like dave said we scratched the surface so i mean definitely look forward to more of this kind of stuff in the future yeah we're Hell gonna yeah.
0: all join cults ourselves and then all right I was everybody, actually-
2: everybody pick a cult and we'll meet back in six months and see what we learned i was actually thinking earlier today the best
1: two-parter or the best second part of this would be if all three of us joined a cult and then just
2: documented what happened oh i know which one i'm picking. Um, I, I brought it up at the beginning of the podcast, but that cult that the chick from Smallville was in, Allison Mack, the sex cult. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we talked about that while we were recording, but no, look no. that up. <laughs> yeah, Allison Mack, she was she played Chloe on Smallville, which was the only reason that I watched Smallville, because it sucks. But she's in a sex cult now, so just leave you with that nugget of information. So that's cool. Sex cults are always cool. We're okay with sex cults
0: until they're not and involve kids. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? You could grow up to be Joaquin Phoenix.
1: Yeah. Oh God.
2: Was he in a cult? Uh, yeah. We can't. We don't up, even have time to get yeah, into that. Yeah. We don't have
0: time. But yeah, he he and the whole Phoenix clan grew up in a sex cult. Is that, yeah. that why they're named
2: Joaquin and Rivers and I don't yeah, know, pretty much. Yeah. Prairie yeah. and mountain range. And, it
1: all kind of. It all kind of <laughs> goes you just back- naming things now. Yes. <laughs> it all kind of goes back to that California <laughs> hippiedom, land yeah. of a million cults sort mm-hmm. of vibe. So we could definitely talk about that some other time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But all right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. As always, you can listen to us on our website, AOEPod.com. You can listen to us, as hopefully you are right now, on iTunes. Just look up The Age of Enfrightment. The great thing about iTunes is you can subscribe and and then we'll show up in your feed every two weeks or every two and a
2: half weeks, maybe, yeah. we think. For this <laughs> and we can
0: form a real community.
2: <laughs> you know, Go to our community I page. It out every time you mispronounce a word. <laughs> if you want to be part of our community,
1: look us up on Facebook, just the Age of Enfrightenment. Find us on Twitter at AOE underscore podcast, where we tweet about things like this. Now in two hundred and What is it? How many? It's uh, 284 characters, I think. I think they doubled it. So you get to hear even more stuff about how great it is to be afraid and why we like talking about it. Anything I missed,
2: gentlemen? Uh, Dave is a jerk and should apologize.
1: Oh, wait. We do have to get to the part where Dave berates our listeners for not giving us reviews.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, give us five-star reviews, you fucking jerks. Like, I mean... It's not that hard. And it's not like you really have anything else going on. Uh so I just don't get why you won't fucking do it. And I'm outside right now, so I hope you do it.
1: <laughs> well well said. <laughs> Is that good? Did I nail it? You Should I take it, it again? You, you nailed it. The the community will be happy to hear it.
0: <laughs> okay. I also have a message. She I think that people right now are living their lives in kind of like a gluttonous unhealthy way and i actually think that i might have some real answers
2: you know it's uh, interesting you bring that up because i'm actually in contact with an extraterrestrial being and he says that i'm jesus and that everybody should give me a dollar <laughs> And this episode was brought to you by Herbalife. Try Herbalife, <laughs> the answer to all your
1: problems. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Bye everyone. Bye. All right, are you guys rolling? I'm I'm rolling and trolling.
2: I'm rollin' 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 what what I know y'all be loving this shit right here LMP <laughs> biscuit is right here. People in the house, throw your hands in the air, cause if you don't care then we don't care. One th- through s- one, two, three times two through the six Join us for your fix on that limp biscuit mix. So where the fuck you at boy, shut the fuck up and back the fuck up while we fuck this track up. Din d d